But I forget, Helen Kratz is at, uh, I meant to give this to Scott earlier, I apologize, so you might want to write this down. But she's at Hillcrest, which is up in Owensboro, and she's in room 71. That's Hillcrest, up in Owensboro, and I think it's off Old Hartford Road, and it's room 71. She'll be there for probably a couple weeks. We got warm in here on us. And that doesn't help the fact that I've been bothered this week. Been bothered by what we've seen happening in our country. Not by election results. You know how I'm, I've, I've stated so many times, I'm not going to talk about that from up here. I don't think it's appropriate for me to. But by the people of our nation. And then in reflection, maybe even ourselves. Been bothered. And I've thought about all the things that we've talked about here in our own church, how we need to show our faith in action and attitude every day. And not because we have to, not because we feel like we are forced to, and not because we think, oh, if, if we don't show our faith in action and attitude, no one else will. That's no way to be. But instead, because we want to, because we have the love of the Lord in our heart, we, we want to be that loving Christian that shows that in action and attitude every day and sets the example. So I have to ask myself, let's ask all of ourselves today, did we? Have we? Did we do that? In this past election season, did we do that? Because it is so easy to point at the other side of wherever you're at. It's so easy to. And most of us have. Oh, listen, maybe, maybe you didn't. But we all know what's going on right now in our world. Hate. Fear. Those are scary things. And those are things that the scripture talks about. Remember God said, fear not. He said not to, not to hate your brother, your sister, anybody. He said, love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? People on the other side. Who's your neighbor? The candidates themselves. He also said, in case you want to say, yeah, you know what, they're not my neighbor, fine. You know what, that's debatable. We can go on about that all day. I think every man, every woman is your neighbor, but, but it's still covered, isn't it? Because didn't he also say, love your enemy and pray for those that persecute you? And I, I thought about myself for the last few months. Have I done that? Have I really done that? We've seen... A bunch of name-calling is what we've seen. And yeah, sure, the candidates led the way. And that's no way to be. But we've done it as well to each other and to them. We've called names. We've seen labeling. And that's really bothered me this week. It's really bothered me, some of the labeling that we've seen in our country. Something shouldn't be going on. I don't care who you voted for, that does not make you an evil person because of that. If you voted for, for one candidate, it does not make you a racist. And we've got to know that as a nation. We've got to. If you voted for another candidate, it, it does not make you a baby killer. It doesn't. And, and, and let me make this perfectly clear. Clear, because this is one thing I will say to the poll, but I'm absolutely 100% against abortion. But we've done it. Our country has. 
And then after the election, we want to know why things are happening the way that they're happening. And we can blame it on the media all day long, but we tuned in. So you know what? I think it's time for us to repent from it. To recognize that we need to be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Maybe you didn't do it as much as someone else, but if you called anybody from the other side or one of the candidates a name that you shouldn't have called them or that you wouldn't want to be called yourself, it was wrong. I'm guilty of it. We've got to repent. We've got to try harder. And we've got to lead with love. And you know what, though, guys? This is what's great about it. We know that we still can do that. We know that we have the power to do that. Because we know that God empowers us over sin. Oh, it doesn't mean that every once in a while we don't need a reminder about our attitude, about our actions, about who we are, who we are as a people. I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to be a Kentuckian. I'm proud to be so many things in my life. But the most important thing is that I'm proud to be a Christian, someone who follows Jesus Christ. That's what makes the difference. That's what has made our country great. No politician, no type of government, no electoral college or popular vote. It's not that. It's Jesus Christ. And he's our leader. So no matter if you want to say that a Barack Obama is your president or if a Donald Trump is your president, it matters not. What matters is that Jesus is who you look to. Jesus is your leader. And when we look to see what Jesus wants us to do, it is quite clear how we should behave. I say thank you, Lord, for empowering us over sin. And you can, you can say this in so many ways. He gives us the power to overcome sin. He gives us the power to defeat it, not by us, but through Jesus. Now, think about how God's done that for us. Now, let me rephrase it, because God didn't do it. He's not doing it for us. He's not empowering us in sin for us. He instead is making it possible for us to overcome sin, to be empowered to defeat sin. That's what God's done for us. He's done that through Jesus. He's given us an opportunity to make our relationship right with him, which is an everyday thing. How? How are we going to do that? Not by snap of the fingers, not by the waving of a magic wand, not uh, by brainwashing, not by forcing, but through encouragement, through the blessings that he has given us, through faith, through the spirit that he's given us, empowered us with, through his word, through growth in our faith, but most importantly, through Jesus. That's how he makes these things possible for us. So let's take advantage of it and let's lead the way. We can't look at our nation and say, why are we turning away from God? Why are we turning away from our faith, from those things that really this nation was founded on? Why are we turning away from it? Guys, sometimes I think we've got to look within because we've got to set a better example. So much hate, so much fear. It scares me, especially whenever we see it in Christians. How can we expect the rest of our nation, the rest of our world, to be able to go forward without hate, Without that fear, if we don't set that example in our lives. And no, it's not something we can force. It's something that we should want to do. That sin, though, 
All those things, you know, in the book of James, it says, don't, don't let anger uh, allow sin to control you. We know that sin is going to cause that separation between us and God. And when we really think about what's at stake with that. If we're living in a nation that has turned away from God, we should expect more hate, we should expect more anger, we should expect more violence, we should expect more fear. And folks, I haven't given up hope yet. I know in the, wind that, in the end that we win. It says so in the good book, and I believe it. So I'm not giving up. What's at stake? Everything. Eternity. Let's look at some scripture today. We're going to be in Romans chapter 6. In verse 16, it says this. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. And then in verse 20 and 21, it says, When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. So what benefit did you reap? If, if you allow sin to control you, if you allow it to lead you to anger, to hate, to fear, if you allow it to lead you to name-calling and labeling, what benefit do you reap from it? If you don't have Jesus in your life, it's going to lead to shame and it's going to lead to eternal death. Now that, that should scare every one of us. There's no freedom there. That eternal death, no one cares about your opinion. And that eternal death, there's nothing but hate all the time. There's no God in the world of eternal damnation. He separated himself from it forever. There's only grief. And even in your world now, think about it. If you don't have God, if you don't have the Lord, it's a world full, full, full of grief, full of fighting, full of so much bad. You have a world where you don't believe in God, you can't even blame God if something goes bad. Scary. That's separation from God in life and death eternally. That's scary. That's scary. It's the scariest thing I can think of, actually. There's nothing that is scarier than that. To think about having no hope, nothing but darkness, and nothing but hate. To imagine a world without love. But ladies and gentlemen, I got news for you. Just because it says on TV that everybody hates each other, I don't think that's true. Because when I look around our nation, I see people that care. Yes, the media might show you the people that only seem to hate and are really, really struggling with their anger right now. That's, maybe that's all they'll show you. But the fact is, throughout our country right now, people love each other. So many, maybe not all, and we all need to work on it. But they do. Christian people who are trying every day to say, hey, you know what, we're going to be okay. Christian folks who look to God first and say, you know what, we got to get back on this path of righteousness. we got to put all this stuff behind us, and next time we have to do better. Folks, there's no doubt about it that we can. Don't even make me say it. But it sure is scary to think of that world without hope. 
without light, without love. And the only way that we can really make sure that that world does not happen, especially for ourselves, our individuals, our souls, is to look to God. He gives us that opportunity, he makes it possible, and he gives us reconciliation. What's God's plan for that reconciliation? Well, it's easy, isn't it? Jesus. And he didn't just send Jesus without a plan, though. He had a plan the entire time. And it's really, it's drawn out right there in Romans 6, so many things to learn from Romans chapter 6. If you haven't read the whole thing, go home and read it today. It's just too important not to. Because it's going to talk about God's plan for us to have eternal salvation through him. It's going to talk about what baptism means. It's going to talk about what giving our life to God truly means. Romans 6, 6 through 7. We'll start there. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Sin will not control you anymore. Why? Because we're going to crucify it with our old self. Look, we know we mess up. We know we mess up, but do not let it control you. Because now we're, we're going to do something different. We're going to look to God to see what to do next. And if we mess up, like so many of us did through this election cycle, so many of us, and we look to God, though, we know what to do, don't we? We turn back to him. We repent. We say, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. We say, you know what? i got to get rid of that. Kill the problem. Crucify that sin. Put it right back up on that cross. Anything that's separating you from God, cut it off, throw it away. We've talked about it so many times. Repent of it. If you cannot choose a candidate, if you can't be involved in politics without having hate control you, don't get involved in it. It's not worth it. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of heaven not knowing a thing about your local or state or federal government than it is for you to have that sin hanging over you. It's better for you to not have that in your life. Now think about that for a second. Because doesn't the scripture say if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away? Maybe it's politics. Maybe it's politics for you. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something that you say, you know what? Now I can set an example. Now I know that i got to go forward with love. Now I know that I'm empowered over sin by God, and that I've got to crucify that on, and put it right back up on the cross and leave that hate and that anger behind. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And maybe it's not politics. Maybe it's not your government things. Maybe that hasn't bothered you at all this time. Maybe. And look, it's okay to be bothered. It's even okay to be upset about it. It's what... You do with that anger. That's what we got to watch out for, folks. That's what we got to watch out for. Maybe it's something else in your life, though. Maybe you're having a problem with sexual immorality. Maybe you're having a problem being honest or with greed. Get rid of it. Crucify it. Put it up on that cross and leave it up there. Romans 6, 3 through 4 is going to talk about that a little bit. Burying it behind. When you bury something, you're leaving it behind. You are leaving it behind forever. What does it say in 3 through 4? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's right, amen. A new life where we could love, where we could show that fruit of the Spirit. We're going to bury the old you through that baptism. And when you read Romans chapter 6 and you're, and you're learning about this baptism, you're going to understand why we put baptism where we put it in the Christian church. It's an essential. It's something that you must do. That's how you accept Jesus. That crucial part of salvation. Do not forget it, folks. Baptism is very important. Romans chapter 6 makes that very clear. Leave it behind. Don't let it control you. Don't let it dictate who you are, that sin. Baptism is going to give you that new life, that chance to do that. And folks, without, giving, without accepting Christ, it means nothing. Without putting your hope and trust and faith in him, it's just some water. The power is in the blood. Let us not ever forget that sacrifice. Let us not ever forget that. I don't know how we could possibly ever leave that sin behind and we could really ever cut it off and throw it away if we don't accept Jesus and follow all of his plan, which includes baptism. But with that baptism, don't forget, we don't just stay down that water. We don't just stay in that grave. We come up that new you resurrected and verse four it said that resurrected to that new life that fresh start that christ empowered see now no longer is sin our boss it's not going to dictate who we are now jesus is our boss now he is the one that asks us what to do and we will be obedient servants what else are we going to leave with we're going to talk about sin not being our master anymore Look at verse 14 of Romans 6. It says, no longer your master, uh, sin is no longer your master. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Now, that's not freedom to go and sin and do whatever you want because you're forgiven. Absolutely, most certainly it is not. It's called the freedom to go and to live by the Spirit. The freedom to live righteousness. The freedom from the guilt and the burden and the shame of sin the freedom that we might ever have a place of eternal damnation, the freedom to know that we have hope in our salvation that cannot be moved. And folks, we have to show that. See, Jesus is our master now. In verses 8 through 10 in Romans chapter 6, it says this, Since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. So, what is this also going to tell us? That eternal salvation is there too. But the rest of our time here on earth, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility, and that is easy, living for God. Are you living for God right now in your lives? Living for God, what is that going to mean though? There's some significance to this. It means we have a responsibility to learn more and more about Jesus. To, to know him more in our lives. Living for God means that we need to grow in our faith every single day to the best that we can, to improve. Living for God means if we mess up, we say, you know what, I'm sorry, and turn away from it and put it back on the cross and cut it off and throw it away and repent and go back towards him and say, you know what, now I know. I've messed up again. Please, Lord, forgive me. Help me to do better. Help me to set that example. Living for God means it's not about me and what I want. 
my selfish actions. Living for God means it's about God. Living for God means it's about representing Jesus. Are you doing that? The fact is, we should all be able to say right now, you know what, I could do better. I could do better. We're blessed. We're blessed to have the Lord. Uh, if you've got one of the outlines there, that last blank's living for God uh, in 8 through 10. But the fact is, we're blessed because you know what? We know what freedom is in our country. At least we think we do. But even more importantly, we know what it means to be set free from that burden of sin. We know what it means to say, thank you, God, for giving us Jesus. Romans 6, 22 through 23. Now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, that's the truth. That's the truth. You know, John 8, 32. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. How you feel doesn't change God's truth. But God's truth should change how you feel. It should. Knowing that we've been free. Knowing, like it said in the verse, go back to the Romans there, if you would, pal. Like it said there at the end, death, that's where sin leads. That's what's at stake. Eternal life, that's where the Lord Jesus Christ leaves, leads. So what benefit do you reap from holiness? The fruit of the Spirit? What does holiness mean? It means you belong to God. That's what it means. And that should be evident by our fruit. It means you're following Jesus. We know that we're, it means that you're doing your best to, to follow that path of righteousness, but we know that sometimes it's a process. What benefit do you reap from holiness? Eternal life. How's your life? Right now, think about this. How is your personal life? Right now, there's so many things you could be thinking about. Family, job, faith. This should help. God empowers us to have a life more abundantly. A life more abundantly because we are looking to him first. A life more abundantly because we know what true riches are. And they're only through him. Now, life is still, as a Christian, is going to be filled with difficult tasks. Financial problems, family. Does anybody have, ever had a problem with family? No? Friends? Yeah, we all have. You know, we all have. There's difficult tasks in our life every day. Decisions, if you will. Just like you had this past week on Tuesday. Those decisions confuse us sometimes. Not just at the ballot box. You guys had your mind made up. Sure. It confuses us when we're talking about decisions in our family and our finances with the tasks that we face. It can be confusing sometimes with those choices. Difficult areas in our lives. Places that we struggle with. 
areas where we think that we know better than everybody else, areas where we think that we don't need improvement, and areas that we know where we struggle, difficult areas. You're going to have a decision to make every day of your life. Choose his way. Choose the way of the Lord. Don't choose hate. Jesus most certainly did it. When you think about what's going on in our nation right now, some of the things that we've said, and I ask you, what, what would Jesus do? What, what would he have done? How would he have behaved? And I don't know about you all, but I know I fell short. That's why we got to ask God for forgiveness. That's why we have to repent. And that's why we have to go forward choosing Jesus. Would you please bow with me? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for giving us restoration to you, reconciliation to you, for giving us an opportunity, for making it possible for us, us wretches, to come to you. Lord, we know your hand's already extended and that we just need to take it. Help us to do that. Lord, we ask forgiveness for where we have fallen short. And Lord, no matter what that may be, no matter where it was, no matter what area we might have difficulty in, help us, Lord, to overcome it, knowing full well that you give us the power to do that. Lord, I ask for forgiveness. Lord, just now we ask that you will help us as, as Christians, as part of your kingdom, to put you first above all else in our lives. Lord, help us to be leaders in our nation right now, to set the example of love, to show love for our neighbors, for our enemies, to show kindness. And Lord, help us to get that hate out of our lives. Lord, thank you so very much for teaching us love. I ask just now, Lord, that you will continue to be with us. Help our church. We ask for a blessing, Lord. Help us to, to do what we need to do to reach out for people, for you. Help us to, to do the things that we, we need to do as a congregation. But Lord, we know that that starts with us as individuals. And we ask that you help us there too in faith, in action, in attitude, with our behavior every single day. Lord, we thank you so very much for giving us freedom from sin through your son Jesus Christ's ultimate sacrifice, his death, his burial. And Lord, we thank you for his resurrection. Help us now to live a new life because he has asked us to. In Christ Jesus' name we now pray. Amen.